Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I promise I'll do better on the timing in hour number two. My name is Greg Rakestraw. I am not Bob Lovell on many levels, and for that, I feel shame. But this is Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk, the summertime edition of the show. But one thing that is a staple, 24-7, 365, or I guess like the 104 dates that we do this show, is a five-minute that can sometimes seem like five-hour. Top of the hour, Network Indiana scoreboard update. After we say nice things about Brown County Log Cabins, here's more of Eddie Garrison. Thank you, Greg Rextraw. It's a pleasure to be working alongside you tonight and Nathaniel Finch. Last Saturday, the Indiana Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton agreed to a contract extension for five years worth up to $260 million. Earlier today, Paul George released a teaser to his podcast, Podcast P with Paul George and his guest is Tyrese Halliburton and in the teaser Halliburton was asked if it's hit him yet if he signed his first big contract think that it's like such this like overwhelming feeling that I don't even know how to act you know what I mean yeah. that I would just like start crying and it but it, it's crazy like the perspective I have on it of like it's like it was like written you know what I mean yeah. like I've known this is coming for a little bit now mm-hmm. probably last like six months I knew that something like this would be happening mm-hmm. so like I was just like man can we just like let's just get it done so we can like get get to hooping you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but it definitely it, it hasn't hit me yet now also in that teaser he reveals a little bit behind the curtain on the conversations he's been having with his father ever since he signed that extension. My dad is still texting me at random hours of the day and night like, wow, this is amazing. He's like, he texted me something crazy the other day like, your mom ain't never held a million dollars in her hand. Make that happen for her. I said, what? He want me to go to the bank, pull a million dollars, give it to my mom. ready to open up everything he does had. Yeah, I'm like, what? Hey, I don't blame him, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, uh, it's definitely surreal. It, it, it definitely hit me yet. No way. Of course, this was released after yesterday's press conference where he shared why he doesn't want to leave the Indiana Pacers like other players have before him. I love it here, man. I am a Midwest kid through and through. I've said that many times before, but I'm just really comfortable here. You know, it's uh, it's been nothing but love both ways, not just from their side, but my side as well, I feel. And uh, it's just something that I don't see happening moving forward. I'm a loyal person, uh, somebody who wants to be involved in building something and changing something. So I don't see that being a thing for me moving forward. It's, you know, my, I just am where my feet are and this is where I want to be moving forward. So I'm really excited that we got to ink that down. Halliburton is in the last year of his rookie contract, and then his five-year extension will take place in 2024-2025, and he will end that contract at the age of 29. In Major League Baseball earlier tonight, the Chicago Cubs defeated the New York Yankees for the first time in their history of the Chicago Cubs in the state of New York, 3-0 to zero behind the right arm of Jamison Tyone. He went eight innings, shutout innings more impressively, while giving up one hit. He struck out four. Cody Bellinger went deep for the Cubbies. Nico Horner and Patrick Wisdom drove in the other two runs. Chicago now five games under 500 at 41-36. and 36. They have won three of their last four games. The Yankees are now 48-41. and 41. The Cleveland Guardians shut out the Kansas City Royals 
three to nothing. They got the scoring started in the bottom of the first. Josh Naylor singer that scored Ahmed Rosario, and then in the bottom of the fourth inning, Josh Bell hit a two-run home run that scored Josh Naylor. Aaron Savale went seven innings of shutout baseball, third time this season. He has given up zero runs in a start. He struck out nine Royals hitters tonight. The Guardians are now a game under 500 after Emmanuel Classe picked up his 25th save of the season at 43 and 44. Going on right now are the Cincinnati Reds and the Milwaukee Brewers. This is in Milwaukee. It's the first of three games between the two teams, and it's all Brewers thus far. Six runs in total. They scored in three innings, two runs in each inning. The only run the Reds have scored came in the top of the fifth inning. That was a two-run home run from Joey Votto, and then Willie Adamas answered right back at the bottom of the fifth with a two-run home run of his own. In the minor league baseball, the South Bank Cubs fall to the Peoria Chiefs 12-5. For Network Indiana sports i'm eddie garrison this hour on network indiana's indiana sports talk adam alexander talks street racing in chicago and what's next for nascar that comes up in the next segment of the show scott agnes checks in from las vegas where victor wembayama is making his debut for the san antonio spurs the indiana pacers make their summer league debut tomorrow and while there is no seven foot three frenchman number one draft pick playing for the pacers they may have as much of their actual roster playing for their team in the summer league, at least for a game or two, than any other team in the NBA. You're going about to hear my fingers furiously type in the background because uh, I don't do anything daintily. Uh, I tend to kind of like, you know, pound away at the keyboard. Now, I actually did take typing as a high school class because I'm that old. I'm sure now it'd be like computer programming or keyboarding. Nah, when I took it more than three decades ago, that's like a whole millennium ago, it was simply called typing. So of the guys that have a contract for the Indiana Pacers next year, Isaiah Jackson, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhart, Ben Shepard, Oscar Shibway, Jarris Walker, all playing on the Pacers Summer League team, and guys that'll be on two-way deals like Isaiah Wong, Kendall Brown, and their other second-round pick who's going to head over to play in Europe next year, Mojave King, are all part of this team. So um, there's a handful of guys that you kind of know aren't going to make the roster, that are going to fill roster spots for the Summer League. And we treat the Summer League as a big deal for about three days, and we kind of forget about it and move on. And then we give the NBA guys a breather. They kind of go on hiatus in August, early September. By the time the end of September rolls around, oh my goodness, it's training camp again. So, like, every Summer League game is on NBA TV or ESPN or ESPNU or the Ocho or something along those lines. But if you have a chance to catch the Pacers play over the next seven days you'll at least actually see guys that you will likely see in a Pacers roster because their roster is so young. And during his five-minute marathon update at the top of the hour, clearly Eddie Garrison gave Paul George's podcast way too much pub. I'm just kidding, Eddie, because obviously uh, Tyrese Halliburton being on it is a big deal. And Tyrese Halliburton... I wouldn't say resigning with the Pacers isn't a big deal because he's going to make his most amount of money here playing for this team. And he is still so young in his NBA career. He's basically entering year number four in the NBA. And he has now been the guy for a little more than 15 months with this franchise. But clearly he is saying all the right things. 
We'll do this in longer form with Scott Agnes coming up at the bottom of the hour. But quickly, kind of my thoughts. Uh, the Obi Toppin deal, which was officially announced like as of today, but we heard this coming on the pike several days ago. He was a lottery pick just three years ago in 2020. Uh, was part of a great University of Dayton team that never had a chance to showcase their skills in the NCAA tournament because that was the year, obviously, that COVID canceled everything. Um, Obi can be a fit here. The Pacers very specifically had a need at the four spot, and they've addressed it with Toppin as well as with Jarris Walker, and those two guys will split the minutes at the power forward position opposite Miles Turner and whomever wins the Derby to be his backup, whether that is Isaiah Jackson, whether that is Jalen Smith. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Daniel Tice, but it's possible that even it could be as well. Pacers at the beginning of last year tried to play Smith or Jackson opposite Turner and realized, hey, that's kind of what we had before with Turner and Sabonis, and that didn't work. And Turner is an elite three-point shooter for a big, is an elite shot blocker for a big. Demonis Sabonis is an elite player, period, is an all-star level player, and that didn't work with those two, so it's probably not going to work with Turner and one of those guys. So we probably have like three or four centers in the roster. We'll kind of need two, maybe even three. There's probably going to be some shuffling of the deck coming up here. Uh, and at the four, though, Toppin's your starter. Walker's coming off the bench. It's a job share. Those guys, you know, will be just fine. The Bruce Brown signing is interesting because he was a really good player on the NBA champs. Pacers have to reach a salary floor. You got to pay somebody. You hopefully it's going to be somebody good. But you're bringing in a guy that still has something left to prove, and it's only a two-year deal. But it is kind of at a position of strength where, in theory, between he, Buddy Heald, Aaron Neesmith, Benedict Matherin, uh, Andrew Nemhard, that's kind of five guys for two spots. That's why they shipped out Curtis Duarte for a couple of second-round picks that I'm not sure actually will ever exist. So it's going to be interesting to see how those pieces all fit. And does that mean corresponding moves to clear out another player from a shooting perspective also could be taking place for Kevin Pritchard? Are the Pacers a better team? I think they absolutely are. We'll talk more about that with Scott Agnes coming up later in the show. We'll go back to making nothing but left turns with Adam Alexander when he joins us next on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates, I'm Eddie Garrison. In the WNBA tonight, the Indiana Fever lost to the Washington Mix Mystics 96-88. Lexi Hull with 20 points, but the Fever made it close late. Got it down to six in the final minute, but unable to string together some stops late. Washington wins 96-88. Fever now 5-12 and 12 on the season. Bottom seven now in Milwaukee between the Brewers and the Red Legs. 6-2 still advantage Milwaukee. And the struggles continue for the St. Louis Cardinals. They were leading this one 5-1 to one going into the bottom of fifth against the Chicago White Sox in Chicago. It's now 7-5. to five. 
in the top of the fifth inning. A five-run bottom of the sixth inning for Chicago. The main source of offense has been Jake Berger. He has a home run and a double. He has driven in three runs for the White Sox. Luis Robert, the lone all-star who's competing in the home run derby Monday night for Chicago. He's 0 for 3 tonight. Toronto Blues Jays just poured it on today against the Detroit Tigers. 12-2 final score. Five runs in the top of the ninth inning. Detroit now 38-49. and Alex Fayetto was activated off the injured list. He went three and two-thirds, gave up six hits and seven earned. On the Toronto side of things, Alec Manoa, he made his return after being sent down to the Independent League in their in their spring training facility to get right. His last start was on June 5th. Today, six innings pitch, struck out eight, did not issue a walk, and he gave up one run. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. When it gets to summertime around here... We tend to talk racing on a semi-regular basis, especially on the weekends that IndyCar is on. That is not one of those weekends this weekend. But especially as we get close to the Brickyard 400, or now what is the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard, as I give it the old original name for NASCAR here in Indianapolis. Well, we're five weeks away from that. But I thought the events of last week in Chicago were so cool and so unique and potentially literally ground-changing for NASCAR. I thought, you know, this is a good chance to get an old friend of the program on the show, whether it's me or Bob Lovell talking to him. He is always kind enough to say yes. These days you see him on Race Hub on FS1. It's Double A Adam Alexander that stops by on this Friday evening. Hello, my friend. How are you? Doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me on. What was it like to see uh, racing around Grand Park and uh, when you could actually see the skyline out of the fog to see that in the background last weekend for NASCAR? It really seemed like a pipe dream when this idea came about. I'll never forget, it was two years ago. We still, even though we were back racing, we were doing racing events on Wednesday nights. And one of the the races, we did a street course race in Chicago. And I remember the NASCAR brass being so excited about that because this was the introduction of the idea and the fact that it was created on iRacing. Uh, you know, this was the, the first step, really, in putting this plan in place and seeing if it could work. And, and so much of the iRacing technology is used now to not just create races on a street course like what you saw last weekend, but even building new tracks and facilities or reshaping an old one. And so you knew this idea was real and some money had been put into it technology wise to figure out if it could happen. And I remember NASCAR executives just being so excited at the time. And I was thinking, I I know this is a legit thought, but I'm just not sure you could ever pull this off. And, And they did. And I know there were many city officials from various cities around the country that were either there or paying attention. I know there have been phone calls this week, so I would anticipate, whether it's Chicago or somewhere else, that street course racing is here to stay in NASCAR. I was going to say, what I immediately thought back to was the days when it was two races and that was it, and there were frankly guys in the circuit that that didn't care to be there and didn't mind telling you they didn't care to be there. And we said, all right, well, they'll just have a 38th place finish this week and, and they'll come back next. Well, obviously now, you know, th- there are more road races like we see here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Do you think we start to see multiples of these street course events going forward? Is it almost kind of like a traveling circus like if it's not back in chicago there's almost like a street race in a different market what do you think the path forward is for this type of racing in terms of the cup series 
Well, I think a lot of people in NASCAR believe that when they went and put a cup race on last year for the first time in St. Louis, that that was more about capturing that market and introducing NASCAR at the cup level to that market. It was as much about that as it was about saying, hey, you know, they got a track in St. Louis. This is a group that wants to host a race. Let's give them a chance. I think it was all about let's get to St. Louis, which is a major market. And there are so many big markets in the country right now that don't have a racetrack. And so this is a way to, to one, do something that is so unique and really reaches out to a brand-new fan because, you know, you're racing right there in the city. And, folks, that quite honestly, when you look at – that the demos in NASCAR just don't match up. I mean, the history of the sport, that, that's, you know, it's a, it's a rural sport. That, that's what you think of. And, and so to be in the city where you're truly allowing folks that maybe have no idea what NASCAR is about to, to see it, feel it, touch it, that's what it is. And so it's, it's geography, uh, it's the demo. And so, yes, I, I believe the door is now open to go many different places with this concept. All right, your level of knowledge on Shane Van Gisbergen at this time this week compared to what it was at this time last week. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, every time we, we do a, a race on a road course, you have those road ringers. And, <laughs> and you know, you talked about the old days, right? When there were two races, it was Sonoma and Watkins Glen. Right. And, and the road ringers didn't have a chance because they just couldn't adjust to this type of race car. And even though they might be experienced on the road, there were so many other hurdles to climb. And so to see what he was able to do last weekend in Chicago, not, not just win, because as we know, these are wild card races and strategy can be an element and all that stuff. Uh, he kind of dominated. When you look at the speed that he carried from practice to qualifying to the race and to be able to finish the deal. It, it was quite impressive. And, and Justin Marks as an owner, give him credit because he's got a, a tremendous vision with that whole project 91 program. And uh, to have an international driver come in and win on that stage is pretty cool. All right. So we, we go from that to Atlanta and I don't want to say it, it it's a letdown. That's not fair, but now it's kind of back to, to normal, so to speak uh, in, in terms of, of the cup. What's your expectations this weekend for the South side of Atlanta? It'll be great. It's a drafting race. It's wide open. It will be interesting to see how that surface has changed. They just repaved it, reconfigured it prior to the race there last March. So this is only the fourth time this has happened. Uh, it'll be hot and, and slick, and the draft will play a big role. And, and it's a wild card race. And there are some drivers, when you look at the short history of, of racing on this configuration at that venue that have had success that don't normally have success on a regular basis. We could get a surprise winner, and then we could get a guy like Chase Elliott, who wouldn't be surprising if right. he won, but needs to win if he's going to make the playoffs. So there's a, a whole lot to like about the race this weekend. Are we officially to that point now where we're starting to, starting to sweat out guys that haven't gotten a win yet, like Chase Elliott, uh, as the playoffs? They're not this month, but they're getting closer have we officially gotten a kind of white knuckle time about that? There are a handful of drivers that, yes, no, they're they're going to have to win if they're going to make the playoffs. And and then there's a group of guys really from, you know, 15th to 20th in the standings that have a real shot to get in on points. They would love to win, but they don't want to see a, a Chase Elliott or a Chase Briscoe or an sure. Austin Dillon win because that means – that's one less spot on points, and, and it's so tight from 15th to 20th right now. All those drivers believe they can point their way in. So 
there's two sides to it, and ultimately the golden ticket is to win a race. And this is one of those weekends where someone could really upset the apple cart. Well, since you referenced Chase Briscoe, and this is a couple of Southern Indiana guys talking here, it seems fitting that we bring him into the conversation. How would you describe his 2023 so far? It's been tough. They've had their challenges, and, and then on top of that, they, they got the major penalty after the Coke 600 that really you know put them behind the eight ball. So, you know, he's got to win a race. And, and you think back to last year, you know, he, he had won not only Phoenix, but probably, you know, should have won or could have won easily at Bristol on the dirt. And you just felt so optimistic about where he was. And even the, the run they got on in the playoffs, just finding a way each and every week to get it done in advance. And now, you know, they're not only are they in a must win, but just across the board, they haven't had a lot to hang their hat on. And it's been one of those years, and not just Chase, but everybody at Stuart Haas Racing and really Ford in general has had a tough 2023. But I, I think when you look at it, you know, he's someone that's pretty good in the draft. You have Atlanta this weekend, you got Daytona to end the regular season, and then he's a pretty good road racer. And, and we saw what he was able to accomplish at Indianapolis, I mean, he's pretty good pretty good there, not just in Xfinity, but he, he showed he could get it done in a cup car. He's been very fast in Watkins Glen, too. So there are some races coming up that would open the door for them to find their way in. You can catch him on Race Hub weeknights on FS1. Adam Alexander, as always, my friend, it is great to catch up with you, whether it's on the air or not. Thanks for staying up late on a Friday night for me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Great to be with you, Greg. Have a great weekend. You too, buddy. Adam Alexander, kind enough and never forgetting his roots being on this program uh, when he is asked to. Thank you, Double A. Always appreciate that. And now what I would say from an NASCAR standpoint is what's next. Not in terms of the event. Again, it's the Atlanta Motor Speedway that comes up this weekend. But credit to them for thinking outside of the box and realizing you can't just kind of stick with the status quo. You've got to be able to do things that are a little bit different. Um, and, and, and maybe not always be popular in terms of with your typical fan base, but you open the season by running at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. You mix in more, more road course events. You have a dirt race now at Bristol. You had a street course race in Chicago. You're not afraid to use the road course at IMS instead of the oval when the oval configuration has not led to the most interesting of races. Have a lot of appreciation. Even if I'm not somebody that watches every weekend, I appreciate willing to be try something different. And you see that in the Cup Series these days. Back to Pacers Talk when we return on Indiana Sports Talk. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So in the top of the seventh inning, the Chicago White Sox gave up two runs, so the St. Louis Cardinals went back ahead 7-6 to six because Nolan Arenado clubbed his second two-run home run of the game, and right in the bottom half of the seventh inning, Chicago White Sox tied back up at seven. Luis Robert, who was hitless in his last hit until his most previous at-bat, solo home run for Robert, his 26th on the campaign. And it traveled 395 feet. They're now in the bottom of the seventh inning with a pair of outs and Yasmani Grandal just walks. The runners on first and second now for the White Sox with Jake Berger coming up 
to the dish. He's two for two. Meanwhile, in Milwaukee, it's now seven to two advantage Milwaukee Brewers. They just added a run in the bottom of the seventh inning, and the bases are loaded. Good thing for Reds fans that there are two outs. The only two runs that the Reds have scored come from Joey Votto in the top of the fifth inning. He hit a two-run home run that is now 21 consecutive games for the Cincinnati Reds with a home run. Assuming they lose this one and don't come back, it would snap the five-game winning streak for the Reds. And now the margin between first and second place between Milwaukee and Cincinnati is one game with Cincinnati leading, and they would be 49 and 40. Milwaukee would be 47 and 42. Minor League Baseball, the Indianapolis Indians score two runs in the bottom of the fifth inning to defeat the Memphis Redbirds 2-1. to one. In fact, the pitching staff for the Indians, they held the Redbirds to two hits in total. They're now 40-44. and 44. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back. It is Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. And when we talk Pacers, whether it's me on this show or I'm filling in on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, one of the people that I go to more than most is Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files. When I tell you where he is at tonight, you will understand why. He is at the Thomas and Mack Center. He is in Las Vegas. Of course, the Pacers debut in the Summer League tomorrow night. But the rest of Western civilization cares about Victor Wembayama making his debut for the San Antonio Spurs in games that do not count over the course of the next week in the Summer League. And that's why Scotty is with us right now. Good evening, my friend. How are you? Hey, good evening, Ray. Yeah, a lot of hype in this one. There were people camped out for hours like this was an Indiana-Purdue game. And, you know, the upper level was filled two, three hours before even the previous game started. So a lot of anticipation for tonight. Because everybody is there, and I think you're basically guaranteed four games, and then they go tournament style. Will the Pacers see San Antonio over the course of the next seven days? No, I I don't expect for them to do so. Uh, We already know a handful of their games, and even if they did, say on the back end in a, in a week here by then none of the stars will be playing guys for the Pacers like Isaiah Jackson Ben Mather Andrew Nimhart. I don't think they'll play more than two games uh those key guys and, and Victor anything more than two would would be stunning so that's why it's so important right to get here this weekend um where it's the place to be in the NBA world right now what will we learn about the Indiana Pacers over the course of the next 10 days yeah, I think first we'll, we'll get a glimpse of their top pick, Jarris Walker. A lot of intrigue with him, more so defensively, his versatility, uh, kind of the, the player that he is. I'm curious what he'll look like offensively, what he'll look like next to Isaiah Jackson in the front court, because that's intriguing. And also, Isaiah Jackson certainly trying to earn a roster spot here, because there's Still, uh, too many bigs in that front court. With, when you talk Daniel Tice, Jalen Smith, and, and Isaiah, in addition to Miles. So that's another big key thing. I think Isaiah really needs to pop. Uh, if Ben Matherin and Andrew Nimhart can have two solid games, uh, then it's about seeing the rest of the guys, uh, like a Ben Shepard, etc. In terms of Jarris Walker, um, does his, I wouldn't say growth gets stunted, um, but after he was drafted, did you still think the Pacers were going to make a move at the four spot, which they then clearly did to bring in Obi Toppin for next to nothing from the New York Knicks? Yeah, I did, and I appreciated it. I go back right to last year. with I know fans don't like it as much, right? Benedict Mather really didn't start much, not until the last 
you know, three, four weeks of the season. But I think that in the big picture, that'll be helpful for him because you come off the bench, you're able, the game slows down for you. You're able to see how the game progresses and what the flow is before you go out there. And on top of that, you're going against reserves. You can kind of settle in a little bit more, be comfortable, and go against uh, lesser competition when – you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of newness to that rookie season. So I have high hopes like the Pacers do for Jarris Walker. But I think right now, you know, this is long before training camp and any of that. But I'd like to see Obi Toppin in, in, in that starting four spot next to Miles Turner and then allow for Jarris to come off the bench and be one of the defensive staples maybe with that second unit, which probably would be an, a guy like Andrew Nimhard and Aaron Neesmith. Um, to, because we all know the defense, the rebounding, it, it must improve. And I, I think each of those guys will help in that department. You know, it was unique. We knew the Pacers were going to make a move or two in terms of once they got to free agency. We had talked about trades, and for whatever reasons didn't materialize. They made some moves. They not the big moves that people were expecting when it came to the draft picks. So when it got to free agency, you knew there were going to be a couple of moves to be made. And one of those, the four, was not surprising. But were, was the combo of of Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin, the free agent names you expected to see when those deals were inked over the course of the last seven days. So Toppin did not surprise me because the Pacers had been after him for a little bit. In particular, things ramped up for him at the trade deadline when they were trying to pick him up from the New York Knicks. You could kind of read his situation, former lottery pick that really just had not popped for Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks. And so they were looking to offload them much like the Pacers in, in, in their own right, their lottery pick in Chris Duarte. And so ultimately uh, it didn't work out exactly this way, but Pacers are basically moving off their lottery pick in Chris Duarte right. and getting OB Toppin. Uh, in terms of Bruce Brown, uh, that one stunned me a little bit. I had some sticker shock for sure with that, and especially coming in a position where they had the most depth. They needed the most clarity, and that's why you also saw – Chris Duarte offloaded. So Brown surprised me, but then once we learned about his contract, that in the two years over $45 million, the only the first year is fully guaranteed. Therefore, it makes it a lot more tolerable and makes a lot of sense because the Pacers had excess cap space to spend and the intangibles. And on top of that, yeah, you're probably paying a little extra for, for that uh, let's call it a, a champion fee, right? Sure. Coming off a championship, that toughness, there's a little additional tax that you're having to pay to get Bruce Brown. So with that, is Buddy Heald all of a sudden now a candidate for sixth man of the year? <laughs> I, I'm sure he wouldn't like that. He very much, I think, wants to start and be in that starting backcourt with his guy in Tyrese Halliburton. But that's one thing that I think will have to get hashed out here. I, I do, at least right now, fully expect for Buddy to be with this team moving forward. I know a lot of fans and more so speculation. Hey, do you move Buddy? Do you, you know, but you, you, there's just so much value in shooting and reliability. And Buddy doesn't miss games, he doesn't miss practices. Um, and he's a reliable three point threat. And so you hate to break up or minimize uh, the on court time that Tyrese has with Buddy. But I, I think after giving 23 million here to Bruce Brown, you're looking for Brown to be your starting two. Matherin is going in probably your starting three. However, I think you could tweak that if you realize, hey, that starting unit to start really could use some additional shooting because um, that's where Heald would step up. 
the last time that you and I had a conversation before we got too far into it, it was like, hey, let's talk about the biggest move the Pacers are going to make, and that's extending Tyrese Halliburton. That was a no-brainer. That was done virtually immediately. Uh, you know, he got officially introduced in terms of after said contract as soon as the Pacers could do it by league rules, which was Thursday. Anything surprising at all in this process to make him the next true franchise player of this team? I don't think so, Rick. That was pretty straightforward. It was exactly what both sides were, were shooting for. For Tyrese, I laughed. He was like, you know, in the weeks leading up to that, that contract and the free agency, he wasn't doing too much because he couldn't, didn't want to risk an injury before signing right. the richest deal of his contract. I mean, this is life-changing money. That is like two and a half times potentially what Paul George made 10 years ago, and that just represents how much more money there is in the uh, NBA and within the salary cap that you can offer that. It's basically the same amount percentage of the cap. But um, Tyrese has said all the right things, and I think the Pacers are very comfortable with both his attitude, um, his, his input, and his readiness to contribute to this franchise, both on and off the court, because he has been instrumental in trying to reach out to players, um, to recruit them in free agency, and also to, you know, he's out here in Vegas as well. He took a private jet after yesterday's press conference with a handful of guys, and they had a morning workout, Greg, this morning with Obi Toppin, with Bruce Brown, with Miles Turner. That's exactly what you want in your leader. His social media game's on point, too. His Ted DiBiase tweet was absolute money, uh, literally, uh, when he put that yeah. out uh, once that deal was announced uh, about seven or so days ago. So, all right, uh, we, we can talk about Buddy Heald coming off the bench, and there's guys like Daniel Tice, TJ McConnell, et cetera. They're like, hey, there may not be room at the end for everybody. I realize the focus the next 10 days is Vegas, but you still got to think there's that there's at least one more player move yet to be made before this group truly reconvenes in September for training camp. What's the timeline on something like that taking place, Scott? Yeah, I would agree. I think number one priority will be getting clarity with that that backup big spot because we don't need to see them alternating Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson once again. And then where does Daniel Tice fit in all that? I think T.J. McConnell could be expendable, but. Rick Carlisle really values having uh, reliable point guards and the, and the energy and, and spirit that he provides off the bench on a reliable basis is just so valuable. But those are the kinds of things I think they're thinking about. Um, I, I think here, here in Vegas is a big time for these execs to meet for coffee or sure. meet the gym and kind of start those conversations. Um, and then you, you never know, maybe something clicks next week. Uh, otherwise, Generally, they all try to take August off. Um, so I would expect if something happened or moved that way, it would be in those next 10 days like you referenced. Again, he is in the Thomas and Mack Center as we speak. He is the only person not talking about Victor Wembayama. That would be Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files. Uh, in terms of be a subscriber, you'll be smarter as a Pacers fan for it. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your stay in Vegas. Yeah, I appreciate whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Appreciate it, Rick. Thank you. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates, I'm Eddie Garrison. Yesterday, the Indiana Pacers made the signing of Bruce Brown official along with the extension of Tyrese Halliburton. So we had his press conference, and then he appeared on the 
Podcast P with Paul George Podcast. And then today he's out in Las Vegas. He joined NBA Today and he was asked by Malika Andrews on ESPN about the Indiana Pacers ceiling. You know, I think we got a really young group, a, a hungry group. You know, we're bringing in three uh, three rookies that, you know, I think that's going to push training camp to another level because you got a lot of young guys all pushing to want to play. Um, and I'm really excited about it. I think we got a lot of guys that, I think adding Bruce is big. His championship experience has played in the playoffs the last few years. I think adding OB is big for us as well. Um, you know, I, I think our biggest thing is we just want to get to the playoffs, man. I think last year when I got hurt in New York, we were like five or six seed, you know, and, and that's just the biggest thing. We want to be playing uh, after the regular season and be playing playoff basketball. Later on in the interview, he was asked if he feels like the Pacers are underdogs to make the playoffs. I think so a little bit, but I think we have got a lot of love from from the social media from the social media world and the media world in general. Um, and expectations are probably higher than they were last year. But at the end of the day, like it's all about what's set in the locker room from the jump. I'm sure Tyrese Halliburton will be watching Jaros Walker, Ben Shepard, Mojave King, and Isaiah Wong, Oscar Sheba, among others, and Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nimhart and Isaiah Jackson in tomorrow's first summer league action for the Indiana Pacers out in Las Vegas. That game tips off at 8 o'clock Eastern, and you can watch it on ESPN2. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Great guests have joined us at the course of the program. A couple of more set for the next hour of the show. Uh, coming up, Drew Storen. It's actually an interview I did a couple of weeks ago. But I thought it was still relevant and wanted to share it with the group. You may remember Drew, of course, from Brownsburg High School, number 10 pick in the MLB draft, former closer for the Washington Nationals, finished career with the Cincinnati Reds. I can't believe it's been five years since he last played in Major League Baseball. What is he doing now? He's in the bourbon business, and he gets his corn from a very specific location. We'll hear from him during the 11 o'clock hour of the show. And our other guest that will join us, his name is Nick Kakaro. You would have no idea who that is. He is a college golfer at Trine University in Angola, Indiana, Division Three school. His hope is to be a future club professional at some point in time. He's had a pretty sweet internship at the French Lake Golf Resort and the Pete Dye Course down in Springs Valley. Um, I have been fortunate to do something like this, but nowhere close to what our guest pulled off earlier this week. That is, you ever seen these guys that like try to play 100 holes in one day or try to play as many holes in one day as possible, and you do it for charity, you try to raise money out of something cool? I actually did that about 16 years ago, and I think I ended up somewhere in the 130-hole range. Um, Nick basically doubled my total. He played 247 holes of golf on Tuesday to celebrate our nation's 247th birthday. We'll talk to him about it coming up in the 11 o'clock hour of the show. The rest of the program is just, well, me saying witty things. And about a little more than an hour ago, I was talking about the Reds and the remarkable run they have been on. And when they first jumped into first place a couple of weeks ago, they were just a smidge above 500. And it was kind of this great story as to, hey, man, the Reds are competing. But, you know, the NL Central's not very good, right? Like, neither the AL Central, the NL Central are all that good. The Reds are in another division. Maybe they're not in first place. And that is still a factual statement. But as I look up tonight, 
the Reds are 10 games over 500. It's because they've basically won 20 games in the last month. Ever since Ellie De La Cruz got into the lineup, it has been franchise-changing for the Cincinnati Reds. And the Reds have been a team that has had the art of the comeback all year long. They have had the art of the one-run victory all year long. They accomplished both of those things yesterday in getting a series sweep of the Washington Nationals, who are not a very good team. They're 20 games under five hundred. But the Reds got another extra inning win yesterday, 5-4. to four. It does not appear that tonight is going to be one of those nights. In fact, the Reds are coming to bat right now down by a score of 7-2. to two. And it's the team that is also playing well that is right behind them in terms of the Milwaukee Brewers. And if this score holds, the Brew Crew will be all of one game back of the Reds with two more games left to go uh, before we get to the All-Star break. At some point in time, the law of averages and not really having much in the way of maybe quality starting pitching is going to catch up with the Cincinnati Reds. But as a lifelong Reds fan, one that has suffered through far more bad years than good in my 40-plus years of being a Reds fan, this is so wonderful to see. When you actually think, hey, something good is going to happen in terms of watching my team play tonight. So maybe tonight's not going to be that night. But man, the last month has just been absolutely fantastic the stuff that Dela Cruz is doing remarkable and those that are doing things around him and especially the return of Joey Votto that has made it even more fun and Joey did have a two-run homer tonight and it got me to thinking about celebrations and I'll vamp more about that when we come back on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk Back on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. And again, a lot of the stations that carry this program also carry Major League Baseball. A lot of the Cincinnati Reds, some being the Chicago Cubs, handful of stations in South and Western Indiana, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, maybe a station to Chicago White Sox, Detroit Tigers, but baseball, a big part of summer programming on great radio stations across the state, just as this program is. We're talking more about the Reds because, you know, the Reds are good and the Reds are interesting and the Reds are in first place, although that lead might be shrinking. In fact, it looks like it's going to shrink as the Brewers lead them 7-2. Game still going on in the top of the ninth, and obviously Eddie Garrison will have more for you at the top of the hour. I just happen to have the perfect timing. Because all of the runs the Reds scored tonight happened like literally as I walked into the studio before the show. And I mean, let's face this show starts at 9.30. I was here ready to go by like no later than 9.16. I mean, award-winning preparation went into this program tonight. And I turn it on as Joey Votto hits a two-run blast. An absolute moonshot. And even though Joey compared to his teammates a little bit long in the tooth, uh, he has bought in to the modern-day celebration, of which for the Reds is as soon as you homer, something the Reds have done for 21 straight games, by the way, tying a franchise record, you don the Viking gear and preen slash pose for the cameras. 
So even though tonight's going to go down with a loss, the social media pic of he and Ellie De La Cruz celebrating is absolutely choice. And seemingly, Major League Baseball, we have done away with the old rules of you can't show up the pitcher with, hey, if it's going to get you on social media, we're all for it. Celebrations are now a good thing. So I wondered if the Reds have adopted this Viking theme for the remainder of the year. How far could you take it? Like I am both a baseball nerd and a wrestling nerd simultaneously. There is a tag team called the Viking Raiders that currently wrestle in the WWE. Like, could they make an appearance in the Reds dugout? As part of your Viking celebration, like, could you bring in guests into your dugout to help stage your home run celebration? You know, clearly Lizzo had a thing at some point in time with a member of the Minnesota Vikings. Should Could she also potentially so, show love to a Cincinnati Viking? By she could be in the dugout at some point in time. See, these are the things you think about when you're a talk show host, a Reds fan, and you know you've got a little time to elaborate, yap, etc. And speaking of Joey Votto, he's going to get at least one more RBI, uh, a single, maybe even a double down the line. He'll drive in one. He's got three RBI tonight. Bad news is, if it's going to be somebody else other than Joey Votto, he's going to need about four more, and it won't get back to him again because the Reds now trail 7-3 in the top of the ninth. Eddie Garrison may have that one going final for you when we come back for our final top-of-the-hour scoreboard update and our final hour of the program. We've talked Pacers. We've talked Reds. I'll mix in some IndyCar, even though they're off this coming weekend. When we return, it's Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.